Last Sunday, we began a series that we entitled The Body of Christ. Body of Christ. I hope and pray that the word of the Lord is ministering to you. A revelation is coming forth in our minds, our hearts, our spirits. I really believe that this is a concept that when we'll get it, and I believe, uh, I believe we're, we're not at the beginning of understanding when it comes to the body of Christ and the body ministering to the body. I don't believe we're at the starting point. I believe we're, we're down the road already. But I believe the Lord is wanting to give us further revelation and reveal to us some further truths about the body of Christ. Somebody said amen. I don't have time to recap everything we discussed, so let me just say this. One of the things that God is truly dealing with me about and something that I really pray and hope that he's dealing with all of us as a church about is the fact that it is not, it is not God's will for uh, one man or one or two individuals to try to meet the needs of the entire body. For in so doing, that man is actually going to hurt the people. And he's going to hurt himself in the process. Somebody said amen. And um, is it all right if I just get a little transparent with you today? Um, you don't even know what I'm going to say. You're already, you trust me. To be honest with you, I, I don't even, uh, it's going to be a little difficult for me today. And I don't, I don't know necessarily if this is even the place to do it or even if I should do it but I, I just I, uh, I just want to tell you a little bit about me today so that you'll maybe understand me a little better you'll understand where I'm coming from a little better is that alright uh, when you read the word of the Lord you'll find that Noah uh, didn't save any of his city, but he did save his family. While Lot was trying to save his city and lost his family. And sometimes I personally feel like those two dichotomies, if you will, are, are kind of waging war in my mind. Or do I do everything that I possibly can in order to win my city and meet the needs of the church and in the process lose my family? Or do I save my family and not give my total complete energy to my city and to my church? In other words, do, do I give my all to the work of the ministry and in so doing cause my family to suffer? Or do, I, or do I give my family what they need and cause the church to suffer? And so I, I realize when I say those statements out loud, they, you know, it just sounds like common sense of what I'm supposed to do. But the reality is, is that's many times the way I think. And that's the tension. Um, it's the tension that's in in my life pretty much on a daily basis and those are the those are the choices that I that I currently feel like I'm supposed to be making that I have to give up one or the other and something has to sacrifice 
however, I, I don't think that's necessarily how it has to be. For I believe that if, if, if I would do what I'm supposed to do and you would do what you're supposed to do and we all follow after the pattern that God has established for his people, I believe that, that a man, a pastor can do both. And I believe that I can do both effectively. For the book says in Acts chapter 2 verse 39, For this promise is unto you, to your children, and to them who are far off. So you can save your family and you can reach the world. But you have to have them in the right order. He did not say this promise is unto you and to those who are far off and then to your family. He said these are to you, to your children, and then to, your fam and then to the world. And if a man doesn't get in his mind, if he doesn't get that in the right order, then the plan fails. Because if a man loses his family or has a breakdown in his family, then it takes away his energy to reach the world or to minister to the people. For you see, a leader's, we got a, a leader's greatest asset is not necessarily his time. A leader's greatest asset is his energy. A person with energy can accomplish more in four hours than some can accomplish in four days. We only have so much energy per day, and once it's gone, it's gone. Most men, however, do not understand this, or if they do, they don't do anything about it. For you see... We use up all, if, if we use up all of our energy on the job, then when we get home, all we have to give our wife and kids are the leftovers of who we are. And so we give them an exhausted, frustrated husband, a father who's snappy and even a little difficult to get along with sometimes. And that description and more... in more ways than I really want to admit describes my life from time to time and who I am to my wife and family on more occasions that I would like. But here's what you have to try and understand and, and I know please don't take anything out of context and I'm just, just trying to tell you where I'm coming from. I know this isn't a contest here today. I'm not trying to put myself up as anybody, but what you have to understand is um, it, it takes work to, to hear from the Lord and study and prepare a message. Um, I, I don't know if any of you have ever had to do that or, or whatever or even have a concept of how long it takes uh, but it, it takes me somewhere between six to eight hours of preparation per sermon. I preach or teach two to three times a week. You can do the math. The, the, the continual stress of having... So somebody, somebody described it like this. It's like, it's like giving birth on Sunday and then finding out you're pregnant again on Monday. That's not even counting Thursday and twins on Sunday. 
And so there, there's the whole creative aspect to ministry and the whole, uh, because I, I, I don't, you deserve better than to be bored on Thursdays and Sundays. You deserve better than to hear the same thing over and over and over again. You deserve better than to hear the same points and hear the same cliches and hear the same. You deserve better than that. And so in order to give you what you deserve, it takes time. Beyond that, there's the administrative side of everything of the church and the financial side of the church and the counseling side of the church and the returning of emails and phone calls and texts and so on and so on and so on. But even beyond all of that, I'm still on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. How many of you have ever been on call at work? Been on call. Now, if you've ever had a job where you've been on call for a period of time, you'll understand how stressful it is. For just knowing that at any moment, the phone can ring and there will be an issue that you have to handle. There will be something that you have to deal with. It causes you to never really be able to rest. You know, you lay on the couch, doing whatever, but there's always that thing in the back of your mind that knows one phone call can change all of this. One text, one email can change all of this. And the thing is, is I, I you know, and, and I, maybe this is self I put this on myself, maybe, but, but that's just the reality of, of my life. And I personally feel like I've been on call not for, you know, two weeks or a, a month, but I've been on call for seven days a week, 24 hours a day for 10 years of pastoring. You can imagine maybe a little bit of the, the stress. And I'm honestly not trying, honestly, I'm not trying to get you guys to feel sorry for me. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to get into contest with anybody about whose job is more stressful. But at the end of the day, the things that I'm responsible for many times will affect someone's eternity. Not a bottom line, not a quota, not a financial thing, not a product, but someone's eternity. The counsel that I'm called on to deliver will literally set the course of someone's future. I mean, people, you know, you, you come to me, what, what, what about this and what about this? And it, it's going to affect their entire future. That's, that's pretty stressful. In many cases, my words... The words that I say at a specific moment in time are the only thing standing between a couple and the divorce court. That's it. My words at a specific moment, a specific phone call that I was not prepared for, a specific call out of the blue, just random. Here it is. I need an answer now. What are we going to do? And to, to, to be able and to be geared up so as to be able to minister to people on that level. 
You can imagine maybe a little bit of constantly having to be at that level. Is that, am I making sense? You know, I'm, you know, I'm brought the hurts of everybody. And, and you know, and I almost didn't even talk about this because, you know, because there'd be some people, you know, that, that might say, well, Pastor, well, I, I deal with hurts too. And yes, you do. And I understand that. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you don't, but a lot of times you, you, you'll deal with the hurts that are going in your life personally. Job or family or marriage or finances, things that are you're dealing with personally or kids, you know, that kind of. But, but you have to understand that I deal with your issue and your issue and your issue and your issue and your issue. I'm not just dealing with my personal issues. I'm dealing with everyone's personal issues. And the other thing you have to understand is that you guys don't, and I would never do it, you don't want me to share with other people your issues. Right? So understand, when you have problems, you can go talk to people about it. Right? I can't talk to any of you about your problems or about somebody else's problems. If Brother Hawks comes to me and says, Pastor, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, I'm going through this, I can't go to, 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 to Brother Lamont and say, man, I'm really, you know, dealing with some stuff with Brother Hawks and Sister Hawks and, you know, whatever. I just, let me just share this with you and, so you can help me and encourage me and maybe give me. I can't do that. You guys can. Brother Hawks can go to Brother Lamont. But I can't. You understand? So I'm getting all of the. But I have no one to share it with. Obviously, I don't share it with my kids, and I don't like to share that much of it with my wife. Because I want her to be my wife. And I don't want her, I don't know, maybe this is completely wrong, but I know I understand the stress that I'm under, and I don't want to put her under that. I want at least one of us to be somewhat sane. that make sense? I don't know if that's right, but that's my thinking. And so, so I can't share it with you and I can't share it with my wife. And you know, it's, it gets, it gets a little lonely sometimes. It gets a little lonely and just this, this responsibility I understand I, I'm called, I'm, I'm what I'm called to do, and I, but, it, but I, just, I just have to wonder if, if very possibly I'm doing what Moses is talking about, and, and, I, and I've took upon myself some things that I, I shouldn't be taking upon myself. And the truth is this, and it's painful for me to say, and it's somewhat embarrassing for me to say, and it's hard for me to say, but the simple truth is that I've allowed my marriage to suffer because, I mean, we're not... Okay, I mean, she loves me and I love her and 
It's not like we're arguing all the time. But just to a certain extent, my marriage has suffered because of this. And to a certain extent, I lived for Saturdays when I was a kid. Been in school all day or all week. Lived for Saturdays. My kids hate Saturdays. Saturdays is the day when dad goes and studies. And they got to be quiet and they don't want to disturb dad. And ah. So I do, I always want you to understand and I'm just trusting you today. Trusting you. I want you to see why this issue of the body ministering to the body is so important. I go home, but I'm not home. I'm physically at home, but my mind is not there. My mind is on your problems. My mind is on your issues. My mind is on your struggles and your pains and your difficulties. My mind's on this building program. My mind's on the finances. My mind is on who's struggling and who wasn't worshiping on Sunday like they usually do. And why weren't they worshiping on Sunday like they usually do? And who wasn't there on Sunday? And why weren't they there on Sunday? And who's arguing with who? And who's not getting along with who? And why can't they get together? And why can't they go to one another like the Bible says and make it right? got ought against a brother, go to the brother. It's the biblical process. It's just easier to go to the pastor. He'll deal with it. Why can't they just... I set my phone on my counter when I get home, but almost every single time, and I hate to even admit this, every single time I pass by my phone, I check it to make sure that if I didn't miss a call, I didn't miss a text, I didn't miss an email from somebody in the church that has a need that I need to minister to. Can't even walk by that phone without checking it. I'm home, but to a certain degree, I'm neglecting my wife and kids because I want to make sure that so-and-so gets the return phone call and so-and-so gets ministered to when they need to be ministered to. And listen, I'm not slamming anybody today, but these are just some things we got to think about. These are some things we got to think about. And if, if, and I hesitate to even say this, just, just at least think about this concept. If, if, if you're sick, you would never think of, you, you, you would never think to say, you know what, I, I'm going to have to go into half a, work, half a day of work today because I have to go to the doctor. You know, or I need to take the day off because I have to go into the doctor because I'm sick, I'm not feeling well, I need medicine, I need all this kind of stuff, and so, so I can't go into work today, or I need to take off a few hours, I gotta ask my boss for a couple hours. Why is it that we will be willing to sacrifice somewhat of our schedule in order to meet a doctor, or sacrifice somewhat of our schedule in order to meet a mechanic? But when it comes to meeting a pastor, we just wanna do it when it's convenient for us. Even if that means he's got to do it in the evening after being at work all day. (laughs) 
I'm at home, but I'm not really at home. Walking back and forth in that living room, counseling somebody over the phone while my family is all in the other room doing something. Looking in, come on, Dad. You almost done? See, what I've never really shared with you, and, and I'm not even for sure if I'm even supposed to share it today. I don't know, but what, I, what I've never really shared with you is that when you struggle, it affects me so deeply. And when there's, when there's um, dissension in the body, it affects me so deeply. And when you're upset with so-and-so and so-and-so is upset with you and they say this to your kids or this to whatever, and there's this, it affects me so deeply. And I don't, I don't know, and I've, I've been praying and asking God to help me with this, and I, but I, I, I internalize every one of your pains and every one of your issues and every one of your heartaches, and I internalize all of that. And it just, it just eats and builds and builds and builds because it's not just one person. It's everybody. Because I feel like I have to handle all the needs. And I'm almost, so it's, it's this constant burden in my mind and this constant burden in my heart and this constant, in my spirit. It's like I'm, I don't even know if I can describe this to you, but have you ever just been so tore up about something that where you were almost physically sick? I almost live like that. Because I, I don't want to let anybody down. And I don't want anybody to say he wasn't there for me and he didn't meet my needs. Honestly, I, I haven't been given my family what's best. I've been giving them what's left. I don't know exactly how that's got to change, but it's got to change. I don't know what we need to do different, but something needs to be done different. I need God's help. I need God's help and I need your help. I got to come to grips with the fact that I can't solve all the problems of the church. And you know what? It's not even necessarily that I don't know that because I think I do know that. It's just that I still try. And I can't just understand. I can't solve it. So therefore, I won't. I still let it eat at me because I want to try even though I know I can't I don't know if that makes sense but but it's it's, it's very tough for me to deal with because I don't I don't want to I don't want to let anybody down but what I have to understand is that I will always be letting somebody down either you or my wife and kids and just to be honest with you, I'd rather let you down. But the, the thing is, is I, I feel like this system that God is talking to us about, I feel like God has placed a system here 
where nobody has to be let down. This is why I've been so passionate about some of this because this, this, this can't just be just some more lessons that we're taught and we forget about. This can't just be something that we just deal with and then move on to the next whatever next week. This, this has got to be something that we get. I'm not, I'm not present. I'm not omniscient. I can't fix all the needs. This is not my church. This is God's church. This is God's church. And God has called me first to serve him. And then he's called me to serve my wife and my kids. And then to serve this church. And in order for me to serve God the way I'm supposed to and serve the family, my family the way I'm supposed to, that's got to mean that there's going to have to be some things that I am no longer going to be able to do. And there's going to have to be some things that I no longer, that I have to be able to free myself from worrying about. But the only way I can do that, I can't just say, well, here's the need and I'm just going to, I can't fix it anyway, so I'm just going to free myself from worrying about it and take my kid to the park. I can't do that unless I know that there's somebody else that's going to meet that need. Does that make sense? You can't just say, well, pastor, just, just, just block it out of your head. Just, just go on. No, you, I, I can't. The only way I can feel, let me give you for instance. I, I love Brother Hawk so much. Let me give you for instance, but like the, the, the leadership team, the leadership team, I, that was my responsibility for many, many years. I was the one that orchestrated and got it up and going, created this leadership team, and I'm all about team and team ministry and team-minded, all this kind of stuff. I'm all for it. And there was, there was responsibilities that went with that leadership team, though, because every time you create stuff, there's, you know, if we didn't have any ministries... But now we have this, the leadership team and all this kind of stuff. And I, and I asked Brother Hawks, I said, man, can you pray about this? But I want you to take over this leadership team. I, I had to come once a month. I had to get a lesson for it and teach the leaders. And, and I had to, they were all coming to me about the leadership stuff and Vince and all this kind of thing. And, and it was just, you, you know, and I, and so that was extra work and that was extra stress on me. I, I couldn't, I couldn't just say, well, I'm not going to worry about that. But what happened was, is I talked to Brother Hawks and I said, Brother Hawks, can, can, you, take, can you take over this leader, leadership team? And the thing, the thing that happened is when I knew somebody else was taking care of it and meeting the needs of the church, I don't worry about it. I don't even think about it half the time. But unless I know that there are some folks meeting the needs of the church, I will continue to stress and worry about it. Does that make sense? So you can't do, I, I can't, do, I can't just say, well, I'm just going to forget all that stuff. I got, I need you, the body, to step up and begin to fulfill roles that heretofore I have been filling. And I need you to be able to allow people to minister to you in ways that up until this point. You want to know why? Because it didn't matter if I put Brother Hawks in that position. If the leadership team didn't exalt him, 
and respect him, it wouldn't have mattered. There would have been chaos. But because the leadership team said, you know, we respect Brother Hawks. And so we're, we're going. We know Pastor Anthony's been doing, doing this before. And he's done it for years. But you know what? Now Brother Hawks is doing it. And we love and we respect him. And so we're going to allow him to lead us. So you, you got to be willing to allow the body to minister to the body. And it's 11.10 already. See, the only way that any of this is going to work is if you first aren't offended if I personally cannot meet your need. Because you know what? That would just, that would kill me. Literally to my core. If, if you got offended at me because I couldn't meet your need. Because if that happens, because I was trying to spend time with my family, it would just, I don't know. The only way any of this is going to work is if you first are not offended, if I personally can't meet your need. And secondly, this is only going to work if you are also willing to allow the entire body to minister to you. In my place. But the awesome, things, the awesome thing is our needs will be met in a greater and more efficient manner because of this principle and this biblical principle that God has established than the way we've been doing it. Somebody said amen. All right. Enough of that. I want to I, I I take, take a look quickly with the remainder of our time at a chapter in our Bibles that deals specifically with the body of Christ. For I believe we, we really have to understand this chapter if, if, if we're going to understand what God is trying to speak to us about. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You see, what you have to understand, I, I might have told this already, but as you turn in there, the Lord could have picked anything that he wanted in order to symbolize the church. He's God. He chose to symbolize the church as a body, a physical body. But he could have chose anything. He could have chose something in weather. He could have chose uh, an animal. He could have chose anything. He could have chose anything that he wanted to symbolize the church. But he chose the body, our physical bodies. To represent the body of Christ. So let's look, let's look at this a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren I would not have you ignorant. I want you to understand what you're, what you're doing here. These spiritual gifts. You know that ye were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols. Even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand. That no man speaking by the spirit of God. Calleth Jesus accursed. And that no uh, man can say that Jesus is Lord. But by the Holy Ghost. Now get into verse 4. Now, there are diversities of gifts, or there are many gifts in the body, but the same Spirit, which is the Spirit of God. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. 
And there are differences, uh, diversities of operations, but it's the same God which worketh all in all. This is telling us that different people in the church will all have different spiritual gifts and spiritual abilities and spiritual callings, but they're not doing those things in and of themselves. Right? But rather it is the Holy Ghost, the one God, the Holy Ghost that is working through them to accomplish the purpose of God. Okay? Let's get to verse 7. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and the selfsame Spirit dividing to every man severely as he will. So the Bible says the Spirit divides in the church, the different ministries and the different uh, parts and the different giftings, the giftings that he wants the church to, to operate in. Okay? This, this chapter is specifically talking about the, the spiritual gifts. Somebody say the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts that are in the church. But we have to also couple uh, this chapter with another chapter in the New Testament to find out uh, fully what the different roles are that the body of Christ can play. And I need your minds here. Did I need you to think with me? Because this isn't, this isn't the totality here in 1 Corinthians 12. This is not the totality of giftings and callings that are uh, present or that God desires to be present in the church, in the body. For instance, look, let's look at it. Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Romans 12, verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, somebody say one body, Many members, one body. And all members have not the same office. Everybody's different. Everybody plays different roles. So we being many are one body. We got to get this. And every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing. Y'all got different gifts. Differing according to the grace that is given to us. So God graces all of us with different gifts, different callings. And then he begins to listen. Whether prophecy, and this is, this is uh, any kind of a speaking ministry. Let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry. This, where it says ministry here, this is, this is serving others on a, on a practical level. There's more to it. I could teach a whole Bible study on it. But if you just boil it down, it's, it's serving, serving others on a practical level. You, you might not have the gift of prophecy to get up and be able to speak in front of a small group or a, or a service or a Christian university or something like that. But, you know, you can take somebody uh, a, a bowl of chili when they're sick. Okay? Ministry and, and serving people on practical levels. And that, that, there's tons of stuff you can do there. Tons of Ways that you can serve others and serve the body of Christ on a practical level. Let us wait on our ministry. Or, or what, what that, he said, if, if you're a ministry, if you want to serve people on practical levels, let us wait on our ministry. And what he's saying is, let's give our entire attention to it. If you're the person that says, you know, I can't do that and I, I don't want to be up front, but I can serve people on a practical level. He says, okay, then give your entire attention to that. Don't let it just be something you do once a quarter or a couple times a year. Give your entire attention to serving people on a practical level. He that teacheth on teaching. Speaking of those who are gifted in breaking down the word of God so it can be understood by all. 
teaching. Now, that doesn't have to be in a public setting. It can be in a private setting. It can be at a, at a Starbucks. It can be wherever. People are having questions about the Word of God, and you have a gift of teaching that you can break down the Word of God and break down the doctrines in order for people to grasp them and understand them. So if, that, if that's who you are, then do it. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. This is speaking of ministry on a more private level where, uh, you know, this one and, and the teaching and, uh, are somewhat similar. But where instead of speaking to a crowd of people, this person would minister to individuals on more of a one-on-one -on -one basis. Home Bible studies, community groups, that kind of thing. And then it says this, he that, are you following me? He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. In some ways, God should be calling all of us to give of our time, our talent, and our treasures to the body of Christ. So as to be a blessing to the body of Christ. So to him that him that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Let, 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 it, let him do it. Let, let him do it. And, and nobody needs to know about it. With simplicity. No, no. You don't have to go around telling everybody about it. We got people in the church, and I thank God for them. I thank God for them. We got people in this church that, uh, you know, that, that, that God has blessed them, and, and they, they, they want to be a ministry to the body in, in, their, in their treasure. And so from time to time, they'll just feel led of the Holy Ghost to, to, to bless somebody financially. Or if you, we have people in this church who have talents, fixing cars and carpentry and doing whatever, and, 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 and they just want to be a blessing, blessing to people and time, just going and spending time with somebody and say, hey, I just want to hang out with you a little bit and spend some time with you with you. you can give, 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 give. Let them do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. This is talking about anyone who's been set up in any kind of leadership role or any kind of ministry in the body of Christ. It's telling us that we should, we should not be slack in carrying out that duty that, that we should do with all diligence and, and do it with everything within us, with all the passion that we have. So it's just one thing after another after another. We've are, we're not even talking now about the gifts. That, uh, those, those were in the other chapter. These are completely different than all of those. It says, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. There are those in, in the church that, that, that are much more gifted than maybe others in this area of showing mercy. Showing mercy to people and, 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 and people that, you know, to, to, to release people to, to speak into the lives of people who have messed up and struggled and backsliders, all this kind of stuff. There's, there's a gift of mercy. Everybody don't have it. We need to all strive for it and ask for it. But there's some people that have it more than others. Sister Carrie, you got it. So when we couple 1 Corinthians 12 with Romans 12, we see that in the body, listen, there will be some who are given the spiritual gifts of a word of knowledge, the gift of faith, gift of healings, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Some will have the gifts of serving others on practical levels and teaching and exhortation, the gift of giving, whether it be their time, their talent, their treasure to the body of Christ. Some will have the ability to lead ministries and, and lead people. Some will be released in the body to show mercy to all that need it shown to them I don't I can't find much that God left out there but now let me take you back and show you this to you again 1 Corinthians 12 and 7 he, this is the very first thing before we get into all that other stuff it says but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man every man has been given every woman's place has been given one of these particular things you have been placed into the body of Christ for what to profit with all we don't use the word with all anymore but it means everybody to profit everybody. We've got to get this. Because we are in the body. We have been given by God some sort of gift. 
And the Bible talks about us even desiring the greater gifts. Even to, to seek after more gifts. We've all been given a calling and, 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 and a gifting. And the purpose for God giving us that gift so, is so that we in turn could be a blessing to all others in the body of Christ. Are you with me? He didn't give you the gift so people would look to you and clap for you and say, wow, you're a pretty talented individual. He didn't give you the gift so we put you up and everybody, you know, think you're really something. No, he gave you whatever he gave you so that you could benefit the body, edify the body, and build up the body. So we got to ask ourselves the question, are we using the gifts that God gave us to edify the body of Christ and strengthen the body of Christ? The purpose for our salvation was not so that we could go to heaven. If, if the purpose of your salvation was so that you would go to heaven, God would have saved you and killed you. There's a reason why we're still here. There's a reason why God leaves us, has left us here. There's a reason why we're still alive. The main purpose for our salvation was so that first we could be a witness... And secondly, so that we would become a particular member in the body so as to be a blessing to the body. Amen. Somebody said amen. amen. And until we get that concept, we as a church will never be able to truly witness the totality of blessings that flow when the body ministers to the body. Because here's the truth. The breakdown occurs. And God's been dealing with us with all the stuff that we shout amen with in principle, but then we understand in practice it's, there's a lot of breakdowns. And God's been dealing with us about what these breakdowns are so that we can overcome the breakdowns, grab a hold of the principle, and move forward. The breakdown occurs when members of the body begin to view the body or the church as that which is supposed to minister to them. Instead of that which they are supposed to be ministering to. That's where the breakdown happens. When our view of the body is that its function is to minister to us. Then here's what happens. If we don't feel like coming to church one night. For whatever reason. Then that's fine. Because in our minds, we have the understanding that we are the only ones who are missing out. I know I'm probably going, I'm, I know I'm probably going to miss something tonight. But I got this, or I got this, or I got this. And I know if I went, I probably would be blessed because of it, and I probably would be strengthened because of it. So I know I'm probably going to miss something tonight by not being in church. But it's not going to cause me to backslide if I don't show up. And it's not going to cause me to fall away from God if I don't show up. So I'll just show up to church next time when it's a little more convenient. Or when it looks and works a little bit better with my schedule. And when we have this kind of thinking, we are missing entirely the point that God has established for the body. For he did not set you in that particular place in the body so that the rest of the body could minister to you. 
He sets you in that place so that you would be in the position to minister and strengthen somebody else. We've got to repent of some of our selfish thinking and, and start realizing that we are not here to be served. We are here to serve the body. See, that's where the breakdown happens. That's where the body fails to minister to the body because this member who's in one body feels like they're all supposed to minister to me and this minister feels like well everybody's supposed to or this member feels like everybody's supposed to minister to me so what do we have? We got all these different members that are looking to all of the other members to minister to them and nobody's ministering to anybody. Oh Hallelujah. We are not here necessarily to be ministered to. We are to minister to someone else. And you know what's so awesome about this? And don't even tell me I'm wrong because I'm right. Many times the byproduct, the byproduct of us ministering to someone else is that in turn we are ministered to. Oh, Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people that, that have expressed to me that struggles or pains or difficulties in their life. But I watched them show up on a, on a Sunday. And, and come Sunday, man, people were down here praying with needs or needing the Holy Ghost. And that person with that need didn't just get up in some corner somewhere and crawl up in the fetal position and suck their thumb. They got up and they started going over to people with needs. And they started laying their hands on them. And they started praying for them. And they started interceding on somebody's behalf. And it wasn't too long when I saw that person who has already told me that they had a need. I saw them start falling out under the presence of the Lord or dancing and shouting and talking in tongues. And I, and I, I saw the, the joy of the Lord come up all over them. And I, I saw the strength of Almighty God rest upon their heart. Why? Because they came with an attitude that said, I'm not here so that somebody can minister to me. I'm a part of the body. And God put me in this particular place so that I could profit everybody else. And so I want to minister to everybody else. And in so doing, they were ministered to. Somebody said amen. amen. This concept that church is all, and I'm just going to go over time today, okay? We'll just lay it all out there. I'm going over time. The concept that the church is about me and the altar service is for me and the worship service is for me and that everything happens in the church for me. All of that is one of the biggest hindrances to what God is speaking to us about as a church concerning the body ministering to the body. For when we only view the church body for how it can benefit us, then we're never looking to see for how we can be a benefit to the church. That's what causes the breakdown. That's what causes the breakdown in practice. We shout about it in principle, but then we show up on a Thursday and say, I need, I need, I, it's for me, it's me, it's me. We have to understand this today. Let me show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you'll find that Paul is laying down some instructions for what a church service should look like or a gathering of believers should look like. It's in this chapter that, he, he, that he, he makes that statement that everything that's done should be done decently and in order. So we understand all that. It's biblical. Everything that should be done should be done decently and in order. But I want to show you something that I think is very powerful. For in this chapter, Paul writes this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 26. How is it then, brethren... When you come together, every one of you has a psalm or a doctrine or a tongue. 
or a revelation or an interpretation. Let all things be done to edify. Now this is so much, this, this, is, this is big here. Notice what he's saying. For, he's literally telling this. When you come together, and that's not necessarily meaning when you come together on Thursday nights and when you come together on Sundays. That can mean when you come together with you and sister so-and-so at Starbucks or you and brother so-and-so at the whatever. When you come together with another member of the body, he said you need to come with the intention of bringing something that's going to minister to somebody else. On some level, on some form, on some fashion, you need to show up with the mindset, I want to minister to somebody. You see, but <laughs> this is, oh, hallelujah. God is doing stuff line upon line, precept upon precept. We, we couldn't have handled this a couple years ago. See, because, but we can handle it now because here's what, oh, hallelujah, help me Jesus right now. How many of us wake up in the morning and we say, now, I understand I'm all for we need to come with a, a sense of expectation for what God is going to do in, in the midst. But how much of us, of our expectation revolves around what God is going to do for me? What part of that expectation is saying, I'm expecting that God is going to give me a word of knowledge for Sister Fable? quiet right now or what I'm expecting that God is going to use me to be able to be an encouragement to, to sister Debbie or why I'm going to show up to the house of God and I'm not I'm not a, I'm I'm expecting God to do some stuff in my life yeah but I'm also expecting that God is going to use me to be able to lay my hands on on brother Tony or brother Lamont and, and I'm going to be able to minister God's going to be able to minister to them through me and I I'm just expecting that I'm going to be a vessel that God can use mightily for his purpose and for his plan and it might just be one person because I'm not going to dare get up behind that pulpit and speak to everybody but I've come to the house of God with an expectation that I want to minister to so and so and I want to minister to so and so and I might not even know who I'm going to minister to but I'll show up with an expectation lead me Lord I will follow whatever you want me to do whatever you want me to say whoever you want me to pray for I've showed up with an expectation that I am going to be led of the Holy Ghost to benefit and bless and edify the body Somebody shout amen. amen. Oh, hallelujah. You hook up with a brother or sister over coffee. When, when you show up, somebody on a personal level or in a group setting like a community group or a church or whatever it is, you need to show up with an attitude and a mindset that I'm here with one purpose and one purpose only. And that is to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. So that whatever part of the body God has called me to fulfill, I will fulfill that in order to be a blessing to the church. Here's why. Because before we've been called to work a job and earn money and follow after a career and follow after hobbies, we've been called to be a part of the body of Christ. It's going to get real tight right now. But we have been placed in the body of Christ 
And whatever position God has placed us in is absolutely necessary for the health of the entire body. Do you get that? Do I get that? But if we allow work and school and passions and money and hobbies and careers and other things to keep us from fulfilling our place in the body, then we've got to understand we are not just hindering ourselves. We are hindering the body. You know, your pinky. If... If your pinky got cut off, God forgive, forbid. Could the body still function? But not as effectively. If your leg got cut off, could the body still function? Sure. But not as effectively. The church and the family of God will continue on. But it will move forward slower without you. It will move forward with a limp in some form or fashion. It will move forward with only a percentage of the ability that it should have. If we are allowing all other things to keep us from fulfilling the one thing that God has called us to fulfill. And that is our role in the body. This is why coming to church is so important. This is why fellowship and community is so important. Because if we are all a part of the family of God and if we're all a part of the body of Christ, which we are, then it is our togetherness that releases the work that God has called us to do. For how can you perform your calling and your place in the body if you are not with the body? Am I making any sense at all today? We are not helping the body of Christ out at all when we miss church all the time. We are not helping the body of Christ out at all. It's going to get real quiet. When we show up right in time for church and leave right when it's over or during the altar service. We're not helping the body of Christ when we don't connect with anybody. We're not helping the body of Christ when we don't know half of the people's names in church. We're not helping the body of Christ if all of our friends are outside of the church family. This is why community groups are so important. This is why joining up, listen, with the church when we fast and pray three days out of the month is important. This is why showing up to the Wednesday prayer meetings is important. Uh, help me, Holy Ghost. I'm going to preach on through this. This is why pre-service prayer is so important. Listen, I don't want to offend anybody. If you're offended, I, well, you're just offended. But listen, let me, let me tell you something. Sister Tina Nice, I don't know what... I don't know what Sister Fable did when she prayed for you today. And I don't know what you showed up with. But when she laid her hands on you, there was a high anointing on Sister Fable's life. 
She ministered to you today on a deep level. That happened in pre-service prayer. And others were laying hands on people and ministering one to another. And you know what? Is it easier to not come to pre-service prayer? Sure. Do you have to get up 30 minutes earlier? Sure. You have to get dressed a little earlier? Sure. You might have to skip the big breakfast and just go through Mickey D's? Sure. But what is it about? Is it about you? Or is it about the body? You're a member of this body. Help me Holy Ghost right now. You are a member of this body. And when you are not here, the church is negatively affected by it. It might be more convenient for you. But God is trying to break us out of that rut where we think the body is meant to minister to us. And get our thinking switched around. Where we come to understand that we've been placed in the body to profit the body. And whatever sacrifice I have to make in order to fulfill my role as whatever member I have been placed in, whatever I've got to do, I've got to do. Whatever sacrifice i got to make to fulfill the role that God has called me to fulfill so that the body in turn can be blessed and strengthened and edified, I have got to be willing to do it. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen. I'm going to make a plane right now. This is why staying after church and fellowshipping with some folks is so important. But I'm tired. But I'm hungry. But I've got plans. I, I, I. I just want to get home. I just want to do this. And see, what we're doing is, is... We're placing other things that are less important above the most important thing that we've been called to do. And that is to minister to the body. You see, because after church, and, I, and a, lot of, a lot of us do it, but we all need to get this concept where we stick around and, how you doing, brother? How you doing? I just want you, I love you, man. I'm here for you. Everything going all right? Sister so-and-so, how, I, just want, I just want you to know I, I'm praying for you this week. I'm going to be, you, you need, can, I, can I come by on Wednesday and bring you over something to eat? Can, can we hook up on Tuesday and, and, and go get a cup of coffee? Can we do that? Can I, how can I minister to you? How can I serve you? How can I be a blessing to you? You can't do that if you're in your car halfway home when I dismiss. Can't do it. Can't do it. That's why getting involved in what's happening around here is so important. We've got to get involved. Is it easier to stay home? Sure. Is it more convenient to just not show up? Sure. Is it more convenient to sit at home on your couch watching television than to get up and take a shower and get dressed and push out and when it's raining, a little cold, a little whatever? Sure. But it's not about us. It's about the body. And nobody can fulfill the role that you can fulfill. And nobody can do what only you can do. Somebody said amen. 
Oh, hallelujah. I, I'm, oh, my word. Somebody said amen. amen. Help me, Holy Ghost. I'll close with this, but here, here's just the thing I want you to think about. Three more pages, I better stop. I, I, he related the church to the body of Christ. And you just, I, just, I just want you to ask yourself this question. Okay, guys, I don't know where you're all at, and I don't know what you do during the week, and I don't know who you call and what you do. But just ask yourself this question. How are you connected to the body? Is your connection to the body for an hour and a half on Thursday just sitting next to somebody while pastor teaches and then a few hours on a Sunday just sitting next to somebody while pastor preaches or somebody else preaches? Is that the complete totality of your connection and involvement with the body. If it is, ask yourself this question. How would that look if the parts of your physical body were only connected the amount of times and in the manner in which you are connected to the spiritual body. If, if your blood cells and muscles and tendons and bones and brain and spinal column and I don't know enough about the body to give a good illustration. But if all of what we are was only connected the amount of times that we're connected to the spiritual body. What would that look like? What, what if, you know, the heart only connected with the blood cells and pumped them out twice a week? We'd, we'd be dead or we'd be bad sick or if it was just every once in a while, it, we would spasms, dysfunction. You hear me? Dysfunction. God chose the natural body to symbolize the spiritual body for a reason. And he says, if you are only connected with the spiritual body on just off times and just here and there and just every once in a while and you're just you're only connected to them just a little bit here and a little bit there there's going to be dysfunction in the body and the body is not going to be able to minister to the body but if you would get connected i'm not saying you got to hang out with somebody 24 hours a day seven days a week but make some phone calls and Go out to eat with some folks and have some people over to your house and hook up with somebody. Write somebody a card. Write somebody a letter. Text somebody you're praying. Pray for somebody. 
love somebody, stick around after church and hug somebody's neck and greet one another. And, and more than just, a, I'm trying to get out to my car, but I'm supposed to greet, the, greet people. So, hey, 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 how you doing? Hi, hey, hey, how you doing? Actually care about the body. Actually be concerned about the needs that are in the body of Christ. Stick around. What's it going to kill you? What do you got to get a home for? What's so important that we can't minister to the body? Stick around. Have, laugh with people. Joke with people. Rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Be there one for another. Encourage one another. Strengthen one another. Love one another. Not just for two hours on a Sunday, but as much as you can. Connect. Connect. Because when that happens, the body ministers to the body. Let's stand. Y'all are.